Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Between Class. My name is Brisa Sloshuda, and I serve as the Executive Director of the Association of Big Ten Students. Through the collaboration of student leaders from our 14 institutions, ABTS strives to amplify the voices of students across the country. Today, we will be focusing on student athletes, their experiences, and the advocacy that they lead on their campuses. Moderating today, we have our very own Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Mark Yonker. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Yonker. I'm the Association of Big Ten Students Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, I'm a third year at Rutgers University, New Brunswick, where I study political science and labor relations. Um, it's nice to be here and have everyone. Up next, we have a panel of amazing student athletes from a range of schools across the Big Ten. Um, and I'd love to start off with our greatest from Rutgers University, Ryan Cassidy. Thank you so much for that introduction, Mark. Uh, just about me, my name is Ryan Cassidy. I am a senior tight end fullback on the Rutgers football team. Uh, I currently serve, serve as a two-time president of our Student Athlete Advisory Committee, uh, as well as the uh, Division I NCAA representative for the Big Ten Conference. So uh, it's great to be here, great to join these, uh, these great panelists, and I look forward to our conversation. Awesome. Next, can we hear a little bit from Julia? Hi, my name is Julia Rayson. I go to the University of Maryland and I am a senior member of the cross country and women's track and field team here. Um, I serve as the SAC director at the University of Maryland and my pronouns are she, her. Great, thanks Julia. And last but most definitely not least, let's hear from our next panelist, Jared. Hi everyone. <clears throat> my name is Jared Florell. I'm a senior at Purdue University. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I'm on the men's wrestling team. I serve as the president-elect of our Student Athlete Advisory Committee, and I am on the Big Ten's Anti-Hate, Anti-Racism Coalition. Great. Thank you, Jared. Um, so to get this podcast episode started off a little light, I just want to get to know you guys a little bit better. And the First question I have for you all is I really want to know how did each of you find your sport? If there's any, if there's, if any of you want to share first. Yeah, I guess I can jump in. Um, so my dad actually um, was a college wrestler as well. He wrestled at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, so I have, I have an older brother who's a year and a half older than I am. So literally as soon as like we're old enough to walk, crawl, whatever, like there's pictures of, of us like in singlet and headgear, like wrestling each other when we were super little so um yeah I got started at a really young age and just kind of stuck with it throughout definitely didn't love it at first um there's some some long weekends some crying at tournaments but um grew up to to really love it and appreciate it and it uh, opened a lot of opportunities for me so yeah that's pretty cool to hear Ryan would you like to go next absolutely uh so uh, I, I'll kind of go up, Jared, there. My uh, my father did play football as well. I uh, played at Villanova University over here in, in Philadelphia. But um, actually, it's pretty funny. I played soccer first because, you know, football is a pretty violent sport. It takes takes a couple of years until you're allowed to put on the helmets and shoulder pads, probably five or six years old. So I think I was probably four, four years old maybe, uh, playing soccer. And, you know, maybe one of my first couple games I started – you know, shoving a couple kids, tripping people. And then at that point, we just realized that, you know, a, a more violent, aggressive sport was probably my my best route. And, you know, ever since then, um, I, you kind of channel the, the energy and the anger. But at the same time, it's just, it's a great team sport. And a lot of the things that um, I learned, sorry about that notification, uh, a lot of the things that I learned from football are most definitely applicable to school and to life as well. So um, it's, it's definitely a sport that I've fallen in love with since the very beginning. That's a pretty cool story. And Julia, how about you? Um, yeah, so actually, just like Ryan, I started off with soccer, and I also did swimming. But my biggest strength on the soccer field was always that I was fast. So when I got around to high school, um, a lot of individuals do not run track and field until they're a little bit older, just because running isn't considered necessarily like a fun sport. So um, when I got to high school, I debated between running or playing soccer and running cross country. But considering that it was kind of my biggest strength on the field, it made sense to just focus on running. 
Um, and I'm actually steeplechaser, which is a distance hurdling with the water pit event. So it's a little bit different. Um, and I kind of fell into that because I was really hoping to do hurdle sprints. But because I was so strong in the cross country field, my coach kind of convinced me that it would not be a good benefit for me to kind of switch over to the shorter events because I had the opportunity to run at a collegiate level in the uh, distance events. So we ended up coming up with this compromise, which was where I got to do hurdles, but I still had to run the distance. So I compete in the 3000 meter steeplechase. So. Pretty cool, pretty cool. All of you guys have really cool stories and playing at the division one level or running or wrestling at division one level is a really intense experience. Um, and it's probably one of the highest, it's, it's on the way to be playing at one of the highest levels in this country. Um, and that kind of leads me to my next question um, about the intensity of being a student and an athlete at the same time. Um, what are some unexpected commitments or uh, things that you had to do that you didn't realize you would, have, you would have to be a part of or really become a part of your daily life experiences being a student athlete um, at a division one school? Ryan, if you want to go first. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, I think that's a good question that not a lot of recruits and high school athletes really ponder before they end up either, you know, either pursuing a career in collegiate athletics or even considering playing at the collegiate level. Um, you know, something I can, I, I can provide from my experience is just the structure and the schedule that goes along hand in hand with being a student athlete. And, you know, I'm sure uh, Julie and Jared are going to chime in right after me. Every single minute and every hour of your day um, are, are planned out. And that's from moment one that you step on campus. And uh, I think that that's the reason why uh, a lot of student athletes, you know, do get a lot of credit when they're involved in extracurriculars because there's, there are so many commitments. There's, you know, you have to show up for breakfast and then a lift and then meetings and then practice and then another lift or whatever it may be. There's, there's so many things that, um, you know, you can dip your feet in. And, and that's why I think that uh, once you are, you know, deep into it, you're, you're a year or two into it, you, you really do get into a routine. Um, but it's difficult. There are unforeseen meetings that come up. There are situations that uh, you really can't plan for. And that's why I think that uh, student athletes do have a lot of uh, respect and they, they do have a lot of, you know, grit to them because uh, we're able to, you know, deal with adverse situations very well. We're able to, you know, pivot on a dime and, and really, uh, you know, get off a path that maybe we didn't foresee ourselves going on and then, you know, going down a different path and just kind of being able to embrace whatever role that you're in at that time and, you know, just being present throughout every single day because every day is going to be a long one. But, you know, when, when you're at the end of it, um, you know, junior, senior year, you see that light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, wow, this is a crazy experience, but one that you're just so grateful for at the same time. No, truly, it really is. Um, what you would consider a crazy experience. Um, Julia, do you have any thoughts to also share about some unexpected commitments or things that you've been a part of as your time as a student athlete? Yeah, I think that, as Ryan said, our experiences are very structured. So our day-to-day, -day, like we know that we have practice at a certain time. So that means we have to schedule our classes in certain ways to kind of fit into whatever our coaches schedule and pre-existing meetings kind of exist. But in addition to that, something that you really wouldn't think about is the importance of sleep for an athlete. At, when you're competing at such a high level, you have to factor in sleep. So there's not a, there aren't scenarios where it's like, well, if I just stay up a little bit later and get only five hours of sleep, I'll still be successful at practice and in my academics. Like you have to use your time valuable, uh, in a valuable way so that you get enough recovery so that you can perform at practice, perform on game day, perform in the competition. And I think that's something that people really don't consider, especially because college students love to stay up late and do homework really late at night. Um, a lot of us have early morning practices, or even if we don't, like we still try to get a solid amount of sleep every night. And then the other thing is we technically have 20 hours a week of commitment, but on top of that, we're supposed to take care of our bodies. So whether that means fueling properly or going to the treatment room, that time adds up. Like it's very useful and very helpful to the success in our sports. But at the same time, it, we definitely spend a decent amount of time there and definitely end up spending more time in the training room and kind of making sure our bodies are doing well to be successful. Most definitely. Um, Jared, do you have anything to add to those thoughts? Yeah, I 
think they both made really great points and uh, was encompassing of a lot of what I was going to say. Um, just considering like time management um, and the fact that you, you got to be your best every day. Um, one thing that I guess I, I guess two things. The first thing being that a lot of people I think have this misconception about athletes um, in a few different ways. Like one, like I know a lot of students who might not be athletes and don't know athletes personally are like, oh, they're all stuck up. Like they don't want to talk to me. They always have their headphones in. Like they're just in and out of class. They don't come to like any social stuff. Well, honestly, like most of the time athletes want to do that stuff. But as Ryan and Julia pointed out, like we just don't have time. Um, and like I'd love to be able to go to like all the study groups, all the social stuff. But um, as we said, like there's so many other commitments and demanding time schedule that we have to commit to um, that can be difficult at times. Um, so all the non-athletes out there, I encourage you just assume the best out of athletes. Um, they want to be your friend. They'd be more than happy to say what's up. They're probably tired. They probably just came from practice. They're probably thinking about something else. Um, and then I think another misconception at times is both for, you know, as non-athletes that you know, once you get here, it's all like daisies and roses. Like, oh, you know, I got a scholarship, you know, I'm going to be good. Like my life is cool. I might get this big stipend refund check. Um, when in reality, very few athletes um, actually get that type of scholarship. Um, and then two, like that's just regardless of what scholarship is, um, that's just the start of the hard work. You know, as was talked about, like, we have all these commitments and demands from us every day. So um, you see a lot of people kind of fade out sometimes when they come in, uh, just assuming that it's, it's going to be kind of a breeze. Um, so I would encourage, you know, any young athletes or prospective athletes to, you know, this is not the end all be all. Like as soon as you get here, that's when the real work starts. Um, and then I think on a positive note, like one thing that I didn't expect would was to get so close with my teammates. Um, like I grew up playing sports. I played football and wrestling um, all throughout my life. Um, and never really, like obviously I had friends, but I think it, it goes to a different level um, with your teammates at college. You spend so much time with them. There's this uh, shared struggle and appreciation for one another and the hard work you put in um, and shared respect. So I, I think I didn't expect to get this close to this many of my teammates, but it's definitely been a huge positive of, of playing sports in college for me. Yeah, Jared, you, and you definitely just touched on something really important there about how demanding it is to be an athlete, but it, it has its positive and its more challenging aspects to it, um, which is really leading me to this next question about how has being an athlete while in school affected your academic performance? It can be both positively or negatively. And if there's any stories that you guys can think of that you can share, I think um, anybody listening to this podcast right now would really, really enjoy or, or could really use some insight on. You want you, uh, let's start with Julia. Yeah, so I think that a lot of individuals look at athletics as a big time commitment, which it definitely is but I think that athletics also provides like a sense of structure so that you ha are forced to plan out your day ahead of time. As Ryan kind of talked about earlier, you know what basically every minute of your day or is more or less gonna look like way in advance. So I know that I practice from two to six every single day. So that time frame is blocked out. Um, and that means I have to get all my classes done you, either before or after practice, fit in homework and meetings based off of that. So that structure I feel like has allowed me uh, to be very successful in the classroom. Obviously, sometimes the structure prevents like from going to office hours and stuff like that. But I do think overall the structure can be a beneficial thing. You just have to look at it in a way where you're using it to your benefit basically. No, yeah. Um, you really have to structure your time wisely and make sure it works for you. Ryan, you wanna share anything else? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Julia makes a really great point that you know what's going to happen uh, over the course of your day, but uh, you, do have, you do still have to show up and, and give effort just like every other student does. And uh, I, in terms of a story, I think I got a, a pretty good one that, that looking back at it, it, it's funny, but at the time it, it was pretty nerve wracking. It was uh, my freshman season. It was my first, first semester of college, probably about two or three weeks into the semester of, of the fall. And uh, it, was, it was my first ever exam. 
uh, 8 a.m. on a Friday morning. And it was actually, I think it was week two or three of our season. Um, uh, it was our first away game, and I had a 6 a.m. lift. I had my exam at 8 a.m., and then I had to be back at our facility by 10.30 to go travel to our, our first away game of the year. So that, that's just kind of a, a, a short story uh, that, that kind of embodies what unforeseen events and unforeseen situations and predicaments that we kind of are forced to get into. Um, you know, I, I did everything I could to prepare for the exam, you know, tutors and everything that are provided for us by athletics. Um, you know, those things you, you got to show up and, and give effort for as well. And, and you can benefit from them greatly. But, you know, when you're in that situation where you might only have five, six hours of sleep, you have to lift, exert all your energy then, and then, you know, not utilize your, your physical power, but your, your mental power in, in the, the classroom, and then go right back to try to focus in on a game that you're having the next day. It's, it's, it's that kind of, uh, you know, roller coaster of, of emotions and mental and physical stress that uh, we really go through, honestly, on a daily basis, not even just like in-season competition, because, you know, even if you're out of season, you, you still have a lot that you have to focus on in terms of improvement and preparation and development. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, athletics and academics, I do think really do go hand in hand. If you can apply the things that um, you know, you know, will be successful for you on the field, the same as in the classroom, then uh, I think that you can really find yourself in a, in a really good position to, to find success in the classroom. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's still all about showing up and giving a lot of effort just and, and that is exactly what every student um, has to do when when they're in a, a situation that academics may be their their strong suit or something they got to work on. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of what you guys already said, I totally agree. Like the schedule can be, you know, a downfall for some people, but also a great launching point. It provides a lot of great structure. Um, and I really appreciate that about athletics. Um, and I think, you know, Ryan brought up a good point about um, some of the resources that are available to student athletes on, on all of our Big Ten campuses, um, such as like tutors um, and like, we have a great library here called the Bree Center, specifically for student athletes. Um, so I think something that I always do um, for, you know, freshmen coming in is encourage them to take advantage of those resources right away. Um, you might not be able to go to the office hours, you might not be able to join other study groups, but a lot of times there'll be another student athlete, you know, who's taking a similar class, um, or there's some tutor resources available. Um, just letting people know, like, you know, it doesn't make you dumb if you go see a tutor, like that's really just being smart. Um, and I have, like, I have good grades um, and I still use tutors and I've, that's kind of meant something that like I've, you know, just utilized early in the semester too, just to make sure like everything's on point. Um, but yeah, I think that's super big. Um, just realizing that, you know, if there's an opportunity or if there's something that you feel like you're missing out on as an athlete, there's usually somewhere you can go internally within the athletics community and find that, you know, like there's people taking the same classes, there's study groups, um, there's other uh, activities to get involved with within uh, like our student athlete advisory committee um, if you're not able to join other student organizations. So I think um, athletics does a great job of supplementing um, our academics, um, at least, you know, on my campus. And I'm sure it's similar for, um, both Maryland and, and Rutgers, but I think it really falls on the athlete to um, kind of step up and, and make sure they're taking those steps to be successful in both spaces. Yeah, and you guys all bring up really good points. Um, I think something that every coach has said at least once probably to you guys is um, you're a student before like everything else um, and that your academics come first, which is most definitely true, um, which I think really, I wanna transition a little bit now to say, well, what comes after the sport? Um, what comes after being a student athlete for you guys, uh, for y'all? Um, how has being a student athlete changed within, um, within playing, you know, division one football or wrestling or running, how has it changed your career opportunities and um, kind of your career trajectory? Coming, going from high school to now, how has that really shaped and molded your future. Uh, Jared, if you want to go first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so coming in um, to college, I, I'm a finance major. 
uh, in our business school. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna go to business school and then I'm gonna be like athletic director somewhere. Like it's gonna be smooth. Like I'll have all these resources, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so I came in freshman year kind of with that plan. Uh, I did an internship within our athletics program uh, the summer after my freshman year, just with student development and kind of learn more about, you know, what it takes to get involved within, you know, higher ed or division one athletics and then kind of move up that way. And then quickly found out like, all right, maybe this isn't for me. You know, I can enjoy sports without it being, you know, my job. Um, so I think that's one way, it, kind of weird roundabout way where um, getting closer to division one sports actually like tell me that I probably don't want to do this as a job, which is fine. Um, but yeah, my plans after um, sport next year, I'll be joining Target um, Corp in Minneapolis doing merchandising. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm from Minneapolis area originally. Um, it's kind of cold, but um, I'll be able to be close to family and be back home. Uh, but I think, you know, something that kind of like you were saying, Mark, something that our coach says all the time is like, you can't expect to be successful in just one area of your life. Um, nobody's able to completely compartmentalize. So for student athletes, like you can't expect, you know, to just not pay attention to your schoolwork, have that be a complete dumpster fire, and then go to your sport and be like cool with it because that's stuff's gonna come back to bite you. And I think that kind of, I've taken that forward to like all areas of my life, like your social life, your relationships, um, even like taking care of your car. So like it's not broken down and you gotta get to where you need to go. Um, so I think just, you know, lessons like that, really about responsibility, commitment, effort is something that, you know, I've been able to take from sports and continue to implement in other areas of my life has proven to be super beneficial for me and I'm sure you know most student athletes have a similar experience yeah and thank you for sharing that um Julia how about you how has uh being a student a college student athlete impacted your career trajectory or career opportunities or internship opportunities so far yeah, so I think as a college athlete that competes in three seasons a year, I kind of have a different experience than some of the other athletes because we're never off, like we never have a down season, we're always on. Um, and obviously that's something I've kind of adjusted to at this point, but because of it, it really only leaves the summertime to participate in internships. But something that's great about Maryland, and I imagine that a lot of other Big Ten institutions have this, is we have the Maryland Made um, Development Team, and their focus is to develop us as leaders for our career goals, for kind of anything to make us a well-rounded person outside of athletics. Um, sorry, they also work with academics. So, and they kind of have worked with us to create programming and like support to move us through and make sure we're kind of on the right tra trajectory to get where we hope to go in the future. And I think having that high touch process um, is something really beneficial and something that I would even guess most regular students that aren't athletes do not get unless they kind of go out and reach for it versus in athletics, you're kind of guided to get involved and to be known. So I think having the high touch process actually in many ways can help athletes kind of figure out their path and figure out their goals for the future and for their careers. Yeah, and honestly, um, universities are doing a really good job and we can always do more um, to support student athletes and you know, finding the careers and the fields that are really right for them. Ryan, have you had any experiences um, with whether it's working um, with something through Rutgers Athletic Department or on your own, um, in which student, being a student athlete has helped you in figuring out where you want to go come after Rutgers? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do my best to kind of pick uh, a, a few parts of both what Jared and Julia mentioned. Uh, first off, what Julia mentioned about our student athlete development programs all across the Big Ten are absolutely fantastic. The, the, the staff and faculty that we have devoted strictly to uh, you know, creating networking events with alumni and, you know, resume building and, and skills that uh, need to be applicable for student athletes to be successful in their professional careers. That is their sole job and their sole purpose is to prepare us for those times in our lives because, um, you know, as, as regular students would have the time um, while we're practicing to, to focus on their careers, we, we don't have that time. And the fact that we do have that kind of support for us 
is, is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the, the amount of resources that are right at our fingertips that we just have to utilize are, are absolutely endless. And, and to kind of go off of, um, you know, what Jared said, uh, I, I've had a couple positions, you know, within uh, Rutgers Athletics and the Big Ten and now the NCAA and, uh, you know, getting to understand the nuances and, and internal operations of like uh, how different things function in terms of legislation and public policies for, um, you know, for, for me, for Division One football as, as the Football Oversight Committee representative um, for Division One, you know, it, it, I'm so passionate about the sport, but at the same time, like Jared mentioned, I, I realized early on that it wasn't something that I really wanted to devote all of my time to. Um, so that kind of goes on to like what my story has been. Um, I, I also am a finance economics major here at a business school. And, um, you know, I had an internship uh, last summer, summer 2019 with um, an insurance company, financial advising, uh, Mass Mutual. And um, the, the way that I, I ended up meeting my boss was through, um, it was called our Life Beyond the Game program that my uh, former head coach had for strictly football players. So, you know, we would have alumni and, and people around the area from various different industries come and speak with us. So um, after one of the speakers came in and, you know, let us know what, what his business was about, I, you know, reached out to him via LinkedIn. And after that, it was, it was you know, almost immediate that he wanted to offer me the position just because of that platform that we had as student athletes. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great learning experience for me, great professional development experience. I actually was able to, um, you know, do the internship with three of my teammates. So we were all in it together. And uh, he, he did a fantastic job, our boss, of, of kind of just introducing us to things that um, prior we had no experience on. And it's experiences like that um, that will allow us to learn and grow as individuals and eventually um, as we move into our careers. Because if, if honestly, if I didn't have that internship experience, I wouldn't know uh, you know, I wouldn't have furthered myself down my career of my, uh, you know, my interest and non-interest. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all that kind of, you know, whirlwind that, that really is uh, allowing you to, to sculpt what you think your future is going to look like. And, um, yeah, I mean, just to bring it full circle, I think that all of our institutions in the Big Ten just do a fantastic job of, of putting us in positions that we just have to, to take advantage and, and it'll really uh, figure itself out as long as we work hard enough. Yeah, totally. Um, and on the same topic of student athletes being, or college athletes being more than just athletes, uh, we are currently in an age of activism, um, whether it's the Women's March, Black Lives Matter, um, fighting for LGBTQIA rights, or just, you know, the rights of young people and building a better future um, for all of us. How have um, either you guys have taken part in activism um, using your platform as student athletes or how have you seen athletes who at any level, whether it could, it could be at the college level or at the professional level, um, engage in activism currently and how do you think it's really making an impact for the communities they're fighting for? Uh, let's start with Jared. Yeah, I think uh, this is a topic that, you know, I've been really passionate about and I think a lot of athletes are very passionate about and it's exciting to see more and more athletes using their platform to speak up for matters that are really important to them. Um, so, you know, obviously with, after the murder of George Floyd and, you know, some of the protests and the big, you know, again, the social uprising that we saw uh, over the summer, um, you know, we had a lot of people kind of wondering like, what can we do? What can we do? Um, and in the past, like we'd done, um, like social justice initiatives and just some educational things. Um, but I found like there was a big outreach to, you know, our SAC leadership on like figuring out like, what are we going to do next? Like, how can we be involved? How can we use our voice? Um, and that was like really encouraging for me, uh, especially being a black man and having something like that happen in my home state, in my hometown, and then like getting some like really good support from my fellow student athletes, my coaches, um, and staff here at Purdue. Um, so, you know, what we did, uh, our student athlete advisory committee drafted an anti-racism kind of pledge just as a, a jumping off ground to start the conversation and, and really allow people to commit their voice um, to, the, to the good of the cause, you know, whether they had the words themselves or not. Um, so that circulated uh, a lot within our athletics community and then throughout the Purdue community, which was awesome to see. Um, 
our football players did a kind of unity march to our local town hall um, and did a, a eight and a half minute kneeling session and, and moment of silence for George Floyd. Um, and then our uh, student athletes and teams continued to protest um, with members of our um, of our student body, general student body, as protests continued throughout this fall and are still going on. Um, one thing that's really exciting for me to see um, and encouraging is just how people are willing to kind of step into this space, although it's uncomfortable, although at sometimes like there might be friction and people disagree on certain things. Um, from my experience, people have been really willing to now like learn and listen. I think that's the most important thing um, that we can do as you know people as members of our community as student athletes um first thing is just like really getting an understanding of you know what the issues are for the communities that um are being oppressed or are in need of justice and then doing whatever you can to lend your voice to that mission um so i think you know just as someone who is fairly involved uh, with the big tens current um initiative to kind of progress justice and equity in our spaces. Uh, I can tell you guys that there's a lot of um, really committed people from so many different backgrounds um, that have joined the anti-racism, anti-hate coalition um, that are lending their time, aside from their full-time jobs, kind of committing to reinvesting in our communities, um, taking a look at our hiring practices and representation within our sports um, and just, taking that next step to be a leader in this space rather than just following the status quo. And that's something that I'm really excited to be a part of this transition and looking forward to like what the Big Ten can do in the future. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Jared. Uh, Ryan, you have any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like what Jared just said right there. I think uh, the coalition that Commissioner Warren started that has representation all across our um, all across our conference was the, the, the first step. You know, that's just the beginning because I think uh, athletics, you know, programs, collegiate and professional, they, they've had a big spotlight on them since, since the social uprising because we do have that platform and we do have the ability um, to show people that we're not just athletes, that we're ready to educate one another. We're ready to, to see the change that we want to see in the world and, and vote and, you know, do our, our civic duties in, in our, our communities and, you know, in, in the year that there was a federal, that there is a federal election too. I think it's, it's almost perfect timing for us to, to be um, in this position. And, you know, I, I think that for, for us here at Rutgers, we, we kind of have done our best to um, have our, our student athlete advisory committee be the leaders of that as well. And, you know, people do look towards those, those individuals that are willing to stick their necks out and, and be, be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, something that I, I'm proud that we've done here is, uh, our, our athletic director, Pat Hobbs, does have a, a social justice working group with representation from coaches and student athletes and um, administrators all across our athletics department. And uh, we've held a couple open forums that uh, our diversity and inclusion subcommittee here at Rutgers have run. And, you know, we're including everyone. We have three different affinity groups that we just started with black student athletes, uh, LGBTQIA student athletes and international student athletes, because, you know, if, if we can really address this, this issue of, of inclusion amongst everyone, then I, I think that there is, there's no way that we can be stopped. And if, if, if we continue to educate one another and there is, there is knowledge on, you know, races that are being oppressed and, and different issues that um, we may not have previously known about, and not, not only that, but being able to hear it from a fellow student athlete and hearing their stories of, of people that you see every single day in the facility, on the field, and, and things like that, that's when it really starts to hit home and you really start to be, see some passionate people, um, you know, become powerful. So I, I think that it was more than about time for all of this to happen because it's, it, it's just, it, you need to see more equity. You need to see more um, fairness. You need to see more uh, inclusion amongst everyone and I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of of a conference and a university that really does focus on that and you know Mark you do a fantastic job in, in ABTS of, of being the diversity equity and inclusion director and I'm going to give you all the props in the world man because um, you know I said it a million times it's about time and I'm, I'm glad to see that for the most part we're progressing in the right direction. Wow 
what, 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 what kind words from the Mr. Ryan Cassidy. I really appreciate it. Um, Julia, what about you? Yeah, so here at Maryland, we've actually been doing a lot as well, kind of similar to what Jared and Ryan have said. Um, we had a bunch of open forums. We have had a lot of student athlete as well as coach involvement in kind of guiding the conversation, doing education, um, voicing our opinions. We're having some shirts that are the Maryland emblem along with um, one of six different choices of words that you want to stand by. Um, we also just, our administration hired a new senior administrator um, and her title is diversity, equity, and inclusion um, senior associate. So that's something really exciting. And she, I know she's very excited to kind of help implement and change any problems that we currently have at Maryland, but I think it's something that our student athletes are very passionate about and she's very excited to implement all of the thoughts and kind of make the changes that are necessary and kind of continue to voice student athlete opinions. Um, in addition, we one of the things that we heard from our student athletes as like a want was for individuals to be educated and then vote for change. So we started something called the VOTERPS Initiative, which has been a pretty big deal at the university. Um, so we've partnered with the University of Maryland, the Big Ten, um, and our own like athletic subcommittee. And we have registered, had basically educated, registered, and activated our student athletes on voting and kind of all the different parts and pieces that go along with it in kind of hopes of getting them to um, become educated, go out and vote, and all of our student athletes have off on election day. Uh, in addition, it was a really big deal that we ended up renting out our uh, basketball, basketball facility, our Xfinity Center, to be a polling site for both early election and election day, which was a really big deal and something we were really proud of. Um, and I feel like our student athletes are starting to become well-versed on the conversation of voting, the importance of voting, and how their vote matters and they can really make a change. So that's something that has been a big part of our recent um, initiatives and hopefully will carry over into the near future. Yeah, most definitely. And thank you for sharing that. Um, so we've just talked about how uh, athletes, specifically college athletes and your programs are standing up to fight racial injustice and injustice really and inequity anywhere. Um, but something that we also have to focus on is protecting our student athletes. Um, you guys are also a community where um, equity and justice really needs to be fought for and, prog and progress needs to be made um, on our own college campuses. So my question for all of you is, is really, um, where and how do you think your universities and athletic departments can better support um, college student athletes going forward? Let's, Julia, how about we start with you? So yeah, I think Maryland actually does a really great job of supporting student athletes. I think they do listen to our voices on a regular basis and give us a lot of opportunities to voice our opinion. We have something called the TERFS feedback link, which is anonymous. So you can share any um, portion of information that you want about a concern that you have. Um, and then that information will be fed anonymously to two or three individuals and then shared back um, to ensure that either the changes are made, that the individual that makes the report are doing okay. Obviously, student athlete voices are heard at Maryland's, but um, I think it's always critical that there's support for student athlete voices to be heard on every campus and not just always focus on our one school. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Jared? Yeah, I, I think one thing um, that I think, you know, our athletics department can do well as well as, you know, our university that a whole, as a whole, and I don't think it's, you know, specifically or exclusively a Purdue problem, um, is getting to students earlier, um, being like before issues arise, noticing some of the warning signs if, you know, students or an athlete is struggling, whether it be in the classroom or just with their mental health. Um, you know, and I know mental health has become like kind of a, a buzzer word, I don't want to say, but I think it is really important that we continue to implement some of those practices um, for our athletes. And I think, you know, another area that we can continue to focus on is just um, making sure that the freshmen are 
you know, staying connected um, and staying up on things. Um, uh, and not only just like their homework and schoolwork, but like just kind of everything that's going on, making sure that they're getting enough sleep, stuff like that. So I think um, specifically as well for like um, first generation college student athletes or first generation college students in general, because that those are really high risk, um, you know, populations. And I think if our school does a better job of, you know, getting to those students earlier and making sure that, you know, we're being proactive about getting them connected and making sure they have the resources they need. I think it can do, you know, wonders for those students, you know, in the short, short run and long run um, and kind of increase our retention rates on some of those students. Because a lot of those student athletes and students are generally students of color who fall in those populations. Um, so that was one thing that I would kind of like to see our university take uh, some bolder stance on and commit some more resources to. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's inferred that, oh, we have these these things out there, like they know they can go get these resources and they know where to find them. Um, when in reality, like, you know, sometimes it takes a little more um, and more intention. And I think that's, you know, really important and goes a long way. Um, so, you know, these are things that, you know, we've been talking about trying to, um, trying to come up with some unique solutions for and, and uh, hoping to get some things in place, you know, moving forward. But um, I think those are, those are some student populations that um, may not have received the type of attention that they need in the past. Um, and I think moving forward should be an area of focus for our school. Yeah, I, I really do like what both of you just said right there. Um, you know, specifically, Jared, what you just mentioned, uh, I think that is most definitely important is, you know, not not targeting student athletes, but, um, you know, being able to provide the platform and, and those resources that, you know, that there's a genuine want and willingness to, to be there. And I, I think that, that that's a great question that you started us off with, Mark, you know, what can be done uh, for us to be in a better environment, for us to be supported. And as, as crazy as it sounds, just the support, just being there and having the right people there. Um, I, I think a, a lot about what sports is, is, is being surrounded by the right people, the right coaches, because I'm sure that anybody who's ever been a part of any team or any group or in any program, you know that maybe one or two people, um, based on their attitude and maybe just the way they approach their work, they, they may be um, you know, dictating how you feel about something. So I think um, something that, that we've done here at Rutgers is, is we started a, uh, a small subcommittee within our, our social justice working group um, that is uh, hiring um, and, and an employee, um, you know, intake. And, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a part of that group where, you know, we analyze staff and we analyze what's going on with, with the hiring process, you know, as they come into the interview, having student athletes there to hear from them and what their intentions are, because, you know, if, if someone's just coming to a university to win, then that's great and all. But at the same time, you know, we want to develop our student athletes here in the Big Ten to be successful on and off the field, in the classroom, and in life too. Because, you know, with the amount of, uh, of alumni and, and people on our campuses with at least, you know, 10, 20,000 undergrad probably at each university, there's, there's a lot going on. And I think that, like, like Jared mentioned, just that consistent communication between student athletes and staff and support staff, whatever it might be, just being there really means a lot and, and consistently voicing um, that there are resources for us to access and, and coming from student leaders like ourselves and, and SAC and, you know, even student governments that, that just show that um, students are here for students, student athletes are here for students and staff are here for students. And, and just, it, it, it's all gotta be connected um, to the point that there is positive collaboration and there is, um, you know, a, a positive, um, mana and a positive morale on, on campus because I think um, you know it's easy to spot weak links it's easy to spot things that are going wrong but you know if, if you're consistent enough with your pursuit of, of excellence and of success then um, over time and it, it's, it's going to be undeniable and, and you'll see that success on and off the field um, over the course of 5, 10, 15 years and I know that that may seem like it takes a lot of time, but building programs and building championship programs, especially um, and athletic departments too, it, it does take time. And I think patience with the student athletes um, and just general support is, is what we'll, we'll need to, to really be there for each other in the future. 
Yeah, something um, I really want to touch on uh, is the College Athletes Bill of Rights. This is something that I'm personally endorsing <laughs> that I really think would benefit college athletes everywhere. Um, to give a little background about it, this proposal is on the federal level right now in the United States Senate, um, which will guarantee fair and equitable compensation, enforceable health and safety standards, and improved educational opportunities for all college athletes. Um, it was written by the, by sen the great senator from New Jersey, Cory Booker. Um, but besides that, I, I wanted to hear if you guys think or are supporting um, any legislation within your own states or on something like this on the national level that you think could really benefit college athletes for years to come. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll start off real quick with that. You know, Mark, you actually gave me the platform to speak with Senator Booker and, and his staff probably about a year ago about this bill. And um, I, I think that the intention is there. The right intentions are there. And I think that it's most definitely um, an important pressing issue that is being addressed by the NCAA and a lot of different universities, most definitely across Division One in terms of compensation and name, image, and likeness. And um, just to touch on NIL briefly, I think that this is the perfect step for student athletes because, you know, compensation for pay for play from university, I think that that might create a, a different landscape of college athletics and that makes you an employee of the university and I think that kind of pulls out the integrity of being a student athlete, but being able to profit off of your name, image and likeness is the perfect step because you will be able to reap the benefits of your own work and really see how you can earn um, you know, compensation, earn money, earn respect from the people within your community and across the country. Um, and, you know, to add on onto the bill, I think that one of the greatest things that I saw in there was um, how physically student athletes will be supported after their graduation. And more correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was uh, five to 10 years of, of health and life insurance after your graduation, just because, you know, student athletes go through a lot of uh, different physical pain and ailments over the course of their career and obviously with eligibility getting um, pushed back and, and you know people having more years on their their clock is what we call it um, you could have a student athlete uh, as as a collegiate athlete for six or seven years now and and the fact that um, people think that you just walk out of that hundred percent you know physically ready to go and, and attack your career Jared's shaking his head right now because it's it's almost impossible and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that every student athlete can um, back us up in saying that we do need support. We do need physical help at some points. And trainers can do everything they can while we are still student athletes. But I think this bill does a really good job of, of supporting us um, after our, our experiences are over um, as collegiate athletes. And I think that uh, overall, it's the, the bill really does cover a lot of important topics. And Senator Booker was a former football player at Stanford. So I think that he comes from a perspective that he understands what goes on on the ground level. You know, some, some politicians may not really get what goes on uh, in, in our meeting rooms, on the field, on the track, on the mat, in the pool, whatever it may be. So um, I, I think that his intention is most definitely there. And it's, it's, it's a cool step to see. Uh, progressing over time. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, Jared? Yeah, I agree a lot with what Ryan just said, specifically around um, the support in terms of healthcare moving forward. Um, I think, you know, as he put it, it's extremely pivotal. Nobody comes into college athletics and leaves the same way they came out of their body. Like, I feel like my body's aged like 30 years in the past 40 years, I'm not gonna lie. Like I've had two knee surgeries, like a concussion, like number of, of injuries and it's, and it's not unique. Um, so I think, you know, the intention behind his bill um, is what I think a lot of student athletes have been asking for for a long time. Um, I think that in my opinion, name, image and likeness is, is kind of the bare minimum um, to me. I don't really, I never understood how, um, you know, student athletes were not able to, you know, monetize their own name in, in those ways before. And I'm excited that um, as, a, as a body, the NCAA is taking steps to, to ensure that student athletes in the future have that ability. Um, but I think more can be done um, for student athletes, you know, in the long run. Um, like like uh, we've mentioned, like student athletes are, are not getting paid to play. 
and you know as much as this bill looks great um i think you know the prospects of that is is probably pretty low um so making sure that you know the institutions and the governing bodies who are profiting off of these student athletes while they're here while they're young while they're able to compete and show out in front of all these fans what making sure that those people are then taken care of moving forward um i i don't even know what the percentage is but i know it's it's less than one to two percent of college athletes are going to then go and play professionally and make money um like big money <laughs> you know what i'm saying like um so i think it's important you know, in the in the minds of the general public who aren't student athletes, that like, oh, these kids don't need to get paid, or these kids don't need this and this. They're gonna go make millions of dollars. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not. And most people will not. Um, and these are, we're, you know, young adults similar to other college student athletes who are really passionate about a sport, um, and have decided to um, pursue it at an amateur level as much as it may open up opportunities for us um, within our own institutions, it's not um, ever been on a scale to make and profit off a huge amounts of money for the general student athlete. So I think um, just making sure that, you know, as institutions, as governing bodies, um, that they're really continuing to invest in the student athletes in the long run, um, being like our health and access to more resources after school or continued access to resources, um, I think is something that, you know, I'm really looking for um, the NCAA to take that next step to continue to, to give student athletes these rights and resources and something that I was really pleased to see in Senator Booker's bill um, and glad that this is getting um, the attention now nationally that it, I think it's been needing for for so long as college athletics has continued to um, uh, continue to grow and get bigger um, and evolutionary and evolve, sorry. Um, like the, the rights of student athletes have not, like this is a huge market. Um, it's a multi-billion dollar market. Now people are able to place bets on college athletics. Like I don't see why um, student athletes shouldn't get a stake in it. Um, if nothing else, shoot pay for my rehab like two years from now because I'm probably going to need it. <laughs> but yeah, no, all great things. I'm really glad uh, Senator Booker has been such a huge advocate for student athletes um, in his time. Um, and I, I'm, you know, really thankful that he's continuing to push that message forward for us. Yeah, and here at the Association of Big Ten Students and everywhere, and hopefully everywhere across this country, um, we'll always protect and fight for the rights of our um, college athletes. Uh, because you guys are a crucial, or y'all are part of a, are, are a crucial part um, of our college community, um, and really are some leaders um, both on and off the field. To really wrap it up, the last question I have for you three um, is: What lessons has being an athlete or a college athlete, more specifically, taught you that can help everyone, um, regardless of their athletic ability? Um, for example, I not, obviously wasn't as athletically talented as you guys are to play at the college level, um, but I'm a soccer player and soccer's a team sport and that really taught me the value of teamwork and that you can't do anything alone um, in this world and that we are really dependent upon one another to really move forward and you know get to our goals, no pun intended. But <laughs> um, uh, Ryan, would you like to start? Absolutely. I, uh, it, it's crazy because I'm going through a lot of interview processes right now and this is the question I've been you know, waiting for. So it's, it's, it's awesome. I think that any student athlete can really pull a bunch of different things, a bunch of different lessons, because, you know, Mark, you mentioned that different sports have different, um, you know, different nuances and, and different things that you can kind of pull from it. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to kind of hit three really briefly here. I think number one uh, is, is resilience. You know, every sport is going to have uh, some element of adversity come about, whether that be, you know, losing a game, losing a race, losing a match, um, I, I think that responding to adversity and being resilient enough to continue to work, put your head down um, and prepare for your next opportunity. I think resilience is number one. Um, you know, number two, I think is embracing your role. Everybody on the team, everybody, um, whatever their role is, they, they need to embrace that. They need to understand what it is uh, and they, they need to try to expand upon it. You know, I know um, a, a lot of different people from top to bottom on, on a roster, whether it be, uh, one to 140 or one to five, 
you know, everybody's going to have a role on that team. And, and for people to really understand what their role is and do their best to, uh, you know, and, and not only embrace it, but just like I mentioned, expand upon it and, and try to do more and try to, you know, push your limits to the extent that, um, you know, you, you can create your own reputation and create your own path because, um, a lot of people might get stuck in, in a, a scout team role or a JV role or whatever that may be. Um, but you know, that comes back to resilience and making sure that you're, you're doing everything that you can in your power to embrace that role. And then number three, I think it's just a, a short lesson that one of my former coaches taught me. And that's, you know, 20% of the things that happen in your life are the, the events themselves. And 80% is, you know, how you respond to it. What are you going to do about that event? Did you win? Did you lose? Um, how are you going to respond to it in the future? And you know, that all comes back to who you are as a person. Are, are you willing to, to um, you know, sacrifice some time, sacrifice uh, a handful of different things, you know, time with family, social life, maybe uh, some, some time studying for an exam. And there's a lot of sacrifice that goes along with it. But, um, you know, if, if you don't focus on the event itself, um, I, I think that you're, you're able to use that lesson um, to react upon. And, you know, for this to apply to a, to a student, you know, if, if you have an exam that you don't do so well on, are you going to focus on the fact that you didn't do so well on it? Or are you going to respond and, you know, come back even better the next time? So, um, you know, those three things, just, just being resilient, embracing your role and, um, you know, focusing on your response, not so much the event, I think are three things that students and student athletes can really focus on um, over the course of their you know, collegiate careers and, and their, their professional careers as they, you know, move on in their lives. Definitely. Thank you for your, for your wisdom. Julia, how about you? Yeah. So I think one major lesson that um, anyone can take away from something I've learned in track and field is that showing up matters and showing up consistently and putting in the work consistently will pay off in track and field. You run miles and miles, you train really hard, and sometimes a win in a sprints event is dropping 0.1 seconds. And sometimes a huge win in a distance event is dropping five seconds. And to the average person, that probably sounds like, wow, you put in all that work to drop like not a lot of time. But eventually everything pays off. And sometimes you put in the work and it doesn't. But as long as you continually show up and are continually determined, um, you will see results. And whether you can actually see simple results like you can in track and field, it doesn't matter because in the long run, the success will come and the positive outcomes will come along the way. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Definitely consistency is key. Um, how about you, Jared? Yeah, I think a uh, big thing that, you know, athletics has taught me is kind of goes to a point that Ryan touched is um, just how you respond to adversity. Um, everyone faces adversity in your life, uh, whether it be within your sport uh, at a job, your home life, you get dumped, whatever it is, like those moments don't go away. Um, and similar to what Ryan said, it's not about, you know, what happened to you, it's about how you respond to it. Uh, so I think that's been huge for me and big takeaway that I've had and really helped me continue to build on my own, you know, I guess mental resilience and conditioning. Um, and then a few other things that I've kind of taken away just as from being kind of a part of a team um, is kind of the importance of authenticity. Um, so, you know, when I'm having a bad day or one of my teammates is having a bad day, being able to see that um, and be honest about it and truthful about it and just being real and moving forward. Um, and I think that's really important just with building relationships in your life, um, just being authentic about it. People can see through when you're BSing and like, I don't like when someone comes to me and I can just tell that they're not being authentic. So I, I try to kind of take that forward um, and, and be, you know, true to who I am. And I, I find that that just helps me, um, you know, stay relaxed, um, be able to perform in my sport, in the classroom, um, and just not carry as much stress if I don't have to worry about trying to be someone that I'm not or trying to fit into like um, how people expect me to act or something like that. So yeah, definitely just about um, you know, bouncing back from adversity and then just continue to be authentic. Yeah, and uh, thank you for that, Jared, and thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Julia, for being such great leaders and student athletes and for representing your universities so well and for representing the Big Ten so well. Hopefully, we can keep this conversation going on between classes and um, fighting for 
justice and equity and the rights of college student athletes and creating better, you know, better environment for all of us students and student athletes combined. Uh, so I guess now I'll just kick it back to Bree. Yeah, thank you all so much for taking the time out of your obviously very busy schedules to participate in today's conversation. Um, so thank you for sharing about the experiences that you've had at your institutions and the important work that you're leading at your schools. Also, thank you, Mark, for moderating a great discussion and always championing equity across the Big Ten. Finally, as we are only 11 days away from election day, make sure that you get out and vote and vote early and vote safely if you are able to. Between Class will be available on all streaming services and make sure to join us next month as we discuss the true cost of college and who's paying for it. Have a great rest of your evening. Woo!